millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year, for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now, and you can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in San Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Sarah Blakely Cartwright is the author of Alice Sadie Celine, a novel. Sarah is the author of Red Riding Hood, a number one New York Times bestseller, published worldwide in 38 editions in 15 languages. She is the editor of Hauser & Wirth's The Artist's Library for Ursula Magazine. She is publishing director of the Chicago Review of Books and associate editor of A Public Space. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Alice, Sadie, Celine. Thank you so much. It'd be wonderful to be here. I've been a subscriber for a long time and... Wonderful to be on the other end of things rather oh. than just being a listener. Amazing. Well, thank you for <laughs> a more active participant. <laughs> Appreciate every download. <laughs> it all adds up. So, Sarah, tell listeners about your book. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Alice Sadie Feline is the story of a girl who falls in love with her best friend's mother, or because we hear from everyone equally, it could be vice versa. The story of a mother who falls in love with her daughter's best friend. And one of the novel's central questions is, can the daughter allow them to explore this love? It's a thorny arrangement, no doubt, but (laughs) could we permit two people to have something like that? And it's sort of, you know, I, 
I, when the idea came to me, I asked myself, you know, what would happen if my mother had an affair with my best friend? You know, my first thoughts were, I would be dumbfounded. Then, you know, I wouldn't even know what to say. It would break every rule of the universe. I wouldn't even just be jealous. I would hate them. I'd never want to speak to either of them again. And then I sort of wanted to interrogate that first reaction and sort of felt like I had to, you know, why such a visceral reaction? Why such fevered boundary setting around the people that I love? You know, why would that necessarily feel like such a betrayal? You know, is that actually costing me anything? Interesting. Questions I started thinking about. Well, I I feel like boundary setting is one of the most sort of fundamental parts of a relationship with a parent as you get older. I mean, I feel like everyone struggles with this in terms of like their own parenting. And I saw you have a little one. How old is your how old is your little one now? Oh, thank you so much. Yes, Swan is 10 months old. Um, and she's I was just saying that I love her in a very profound way, but of course, the minute that you put a title like that on something, you know, you call something profound a film that you've seen and then suddenly everybody says that's not very profound because <laughs> everybody loves their child profoundly but um in this case it is true and i guess that's the limits of language which is why it's so frustrating to be a writer that there's yeah. just no word for these things but you know it's interesting i and you know we're talking about boundaries and i i really feel both sides of the characters i feel Sadie i feel Alice you know wanting to both have the sort of bougie family life like Sadie is after and also feeling a drive to live a sort of unorthodox life. And actually, you know, I was never somebody who was like, I'm always going to be a mom. It's going to be what defines me. I always saw pregnancy actually as kind of an unwanted thing. I used to have nightmares that I was pregnant or that I had a baby and had lost it, you know, somewhere, left it on a playground. To me, it really meant both responsibility and also, you know, the book has is about sex a lot. And, you know, the pregnant body is both totally sexual and totally unsexual. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like you're giving up your life. It's your time is over. It's someone else's turn. But yeah, yeah, you know, it changes everything. Life will will and can never ever be the same. Um, it's a task you will never be finished with. And I like checking things off of lists, but <laughs> the rest of your life, you're a mother and, you know, it can feel invasive. You can feel, you know, in sex, someone is inside of you and in pregnancy, someone else is inside of you. Um, So you can feel very invaded in a way. And then if you nurse, you know, the baby is attached to your body, suckling and clamped on like a barnacle and it can feel one directional, your body like a feeding machine and you can feel used, you can feel emptied out. All that is to say, I love my daughter very much. And you know, it's complex. Yeah. (laughs) That's the long answer to your short question. That about, was great. I mean, have a no, this is the point is to hear from you. I mean, yeah, boundary setting is tricky. I remember, you know, one of the first playgroups I had with my twins, and this is now like 16 years ago, my mom came like bursting in the front door and was like, hello, everyone. You know what I mean? And I was like, how about you yes. like text or call or, you know, I don't yeah. know. Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I was wondering, obviously, when you latched on this idea of a mother and a best friend, that's like, you know, plot gold. But where, what made you start wondering about your mom and your best friend? Was it a look? Was it a relationship? Was it a, like, where did, did, was it something that happened? Or was it just your imagination running wild? You know, I think the character of Celine probably came to me first. I 
you know, thought about this woman who's 44 years old, 50 is in sight. So she's facing that particular challenge. And it's actually funny how many kind of review in the pre-reviews, trade reviews, people have talked about her as an older woman. I'm like, well, you know, she's 44. She's not really not that old. That old. <laughs> but, you know, it's a, it's an age where, you know, you start thinking about certain things. I actually heard a conversation between the writer Eileen Miles and the show creator Jill Soloway in 2016 at the Hammer Museum in LA. And I had already started on the book and hit upon this premise, but I really, they're, they're exes. And I was really inspired by the way that they approached each other to not be so attached to this is mine and this is yours. They're this power couple who happen not to be together anymore. And that's fine. And it's what Celine is trying to convey to the girls, you know, why take everything so seriously? And that really helped me in the genesis of Celine when I was first starting to get to know her. She's kind of a female chauvinist, you know, which we don't see all that often in literature. She's bold, she's daring, she's a person of moderate appetites. And, you know, I do think that women approaching their 50s can sometimes feel like a little bit unseen, maybe for the first time, starting like invisible to society. And Celine is so determined not to be dismissed that she thrusts herself into the center of everything, you know, mm -hmm. and she's an activist, but her activism is kind of partial. She, it's mostly in service of herself. She's waving the Celine flag and she's uncooperative. She's intractable. It can be very frustrating to be around someone like that, but it can also be really inspiring. You know, if you think about someone who's always reasonable and logical, that's not very electrifying. Celine mm -hmm. blows hot and cold. And I think I did, you know, you asked me about the book to tell you about the book and I was like, what is the book about? It's about this situation, but it's also, I think in some ways about how much we give up for others and how it kind of proves impossible to get out of that system and live for oneself. Celine is certainly trying, <laughs> um, you know, and some people can say that's very dubious, you know, you should live for others. And, you know, I don't have an answer on that or, you know, I, I don't, all the characters were very real to me and I really didn't want the reader to identify with one character and not another. I didn't want you to write anybody off. Um, mm -hmm. I think you can tell when an author has an axe to grind with one or another of their characters. And I really didn't want that to be the case. Interesting. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. 
Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishful podcast studio from the cat in the hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the Cat in the Hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. So sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. And tell me about the decision to make this sort of initial attraction happen on stage where there's already a performative element to it and then how it became you know, this hot and heavy elevator moment, you know, that seemed predetermined, which is like, okay, well, I'm into this book now. <laughs> I love how you say that. That is true. It is predetermined. It's kind of like from the minute they set eyes on each other, oh, something's going to happen. Part of that is the character of Alice. She is game. You know, she's up for an adventure. And Celine kindles something in her. She awakens sexual feelings, but she also has this really broadening influence, which is very enticing for Alice, who's up on stage sort of trying on different characters. And part of the allure of Celine for her is she's going to tell me who I am, which for any of us could be very enticing, you know. But then as the relationship goes on, it begins to turn. And, you know, everything Celine does, even loving, is run through with an undercurrent of how is this going to serve me? And in small ways, she be- begins to demean Alice. And, you know, I think it's really interesting. You say the performative element and, you know, an affair kind of has a performative aspect. It's sort of, you know, an interlude is another word for an affair, you know, sort of a mm-hmm. something that breaks something in a life. And I wanted to go beyond the sexual encounter. You know, of course, there's first that elevator moment. And that's like what that's the end of the first chapter. So right. and I wanted to go beyond the, you know, hanky panky aspect of the affair. And here it kind of veers into an obsessive attachment for a time anyway, before Celine is on to the next thing. But at the same time, that doesn't undo what is true, which is that Celine helps Alice tap into something within her, you know. And Celine is trying, kind of, (laughs) in her way. I even love the title of this and how it's just the three women's names. Did you, you know, having been through the title, you know, machinery of, you know, was this always the title? Did you think about other titles? I'm just curious. It's funny. It was always the title. And the names were actually really important to me. And People sometimes confuse the names, which is fair enough. And that is evil on my part. I actually wanted names that sound like one person, like sort of three mm-hmm, sides mm-hmm. of a coin. A coin doesn't have three sides. So okay, we'll pretend. Good All good. Back to the drawing board. <laughs> yeah, that was important to me, actually. And I just felt it was really important that it was equally their three stories. I think people often are most attached to Celine, But, you know, I think the book is... A kind of 
if I can say great, toot my own horn, but um, I think what's one thing that's great about the arrangement of the book is that it's a closed triangle. I'm drawing a little triangle in the air. You can't see it, but, you know, in one closed triangle, you have a mother, daughter, you have a friendship and you have a romantic relationship. And I thought that was kind of great. So that's all contained in the title is that um, you have those three, you know, yeah. connections. Amazing. You have your feet in so many aspects of the literary world. Tell me first how you got into this space and then also more about everything you do. Mm, yes. So, well, everything I do, I'll start with everything I do, which is, you know, I've, wherever I've been, I've always tried to find other people trying to do meaningful work in the arts. Mm-hmm. So, that's led me to a lot of good places. Mm -hmm. And after sort of a decade of working in the industry, I have a series, um, what do you call it? I edit, edit a series for a wonderful magazine called Ursula magazine of art and literature. I'm the publishing director at Chicago review of books. And I'm an editor at a magazine called a public space, you know, to pick up one at a public space. We publish essays, poetry, fiction, art portfolios, oral histories. And part of the point of the magazine, a specialty of the publication is that it's eclectic. That's kind of why it exists. And it won the Whiting Award a few years ago. And part of the judge's citation was that it was a cabinet of wonders, which I really Mm, like that. feel very lucky for a decade to have had that kind of exposure. You know, where, where else would I expose myself to such a variety of voices, perspectives, topics, themes, you know, in our reading life, we sort of shoot, you know, I would be reading books about and by women who, you know, but I'm forced to read all kinds of things, which is probably the best thing you can do as a writer and probably, you know, supporting other writers and helping them put their work into the world is probably the single-handed thing that will help me survive my own publication with any dignity. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've seen both sides. And it's, you know, I, I started as an intern, then I became a reader. Now I'm an editor. I put in a lot of time so that I can now contribute in a way that works for me and with my writing schedule. And, you know, but I did the layouts. I did the copy edits. I tabled at book fairs countless times. I did And it all adds up to having a sense of how the sausage is made. So wow. And and what about, you know, transitioning to sort of adult fiction? I mean, in this case, very adult, but yes. Right. (laughs) Right. You know, I actually read Riding Hood. My first book was a job that was handed to me. So I actually never considered myself a YA writer. Of course, everywhere in my bios it says YA writer transitions to adulthood. But it was a sort of wonderful and also bizarre opportunity. I had very young to work professionally as a writer. Warner Brothers was developing a film with Leonardo DiCaprio's production company, of all things, Appian Way. And they wanted a novel to come out in advance of the film they were developing. And they hired me to write a book that would tell the backstory to the front story of the film. Um, Yeah. And I was 22 at the time. So they um, wanted to get that perspective right of the young girl. And actually, they also hired me to write the voiceover in the film. And the novel sort of took off and had a life of its own. It became a number one bestseller. I think it was in 38 languages or something. I don't even have copies of the book in every language. I've got to find those. Those would be worth having. (laughs) But it was just so unexpected. I mean, I think it had Warner Brothers and Little Brown behind it, which helped. But um, they never expected it to do as well as it did. I went on tour. I remember in Brazil, there was a line of 200 teenagers waiting to speak to me. I mean, teenagers are voracious readers. They are amazing. And they are so loyal and they dress up like the characters. Somebody was (laughs) 
you know, half of the people are in wool fats. You know, most of them were Red Riding Hood. Somebody fainted. I, anyway, it was surreal. It was a surreal experience. So all that is to say, I don't think I'll probably have that experience with this book, sadly. But who knows? You know, you never know. <laughs> what you never do know. You never know. What advice would you have for aspiring authors? Oh, the most very basic advice is write what you love and not because you'll be stuck with it for as long as you're working, but because it'll just be a much better book if you write the book you'd love to read. That's really what I did with this book. I thought I have never seen that arrangement among three mm-hmm. women. I would love to know what happened. <laughs> and I would say also work with your weaknesses as a writer rather than against them. Don't fight them. And lastly, I would say when you're making decisions, try to think long-term about your career. Don't make decisions short-term. That would be my my three pieces. Interesting. Very interesting. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. I'm sorry for some of our technical issues today. We triumphed. We triumphed. We got a lot of great stuff in there. Congrats oh, again. Really exciting. This is such a highly anticipated book and I know it's going to do great and it's just amazing. So thank you for taking the time out to talk to me today. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much, Zibi. Thank you for your wonderful questions and your support for the book. It means so much. No problem. All right. <laughs> Thanks, bye, Sarah. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.